Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Fortress Edgebaston has been breached by the Australians. Cut away! Cut away for four! What an innings! What a player! Oh my word! What a delivery that is! This is Pat Cummins. This is Australia. Absolutely at their best. Oh, big shot, big shot. What's he doing? Goal! Marvellous scenes. Australia retain the ashes. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Unplayable Podcast. This is part two in our Ashes Revisited special series. And today we go through the second test of the 2019 Ashes at Lords with the Australia fast bowler, Josh Hazwood. Welcome, Josh. Thanks, mate. Cheers. We're in the bowels of the SCG recording. <laughs> we now. are, we are. So if you can hear a beer fridge or the echoes, <laughs> that's where it's coming from. We heard from Steve Smith in the first episode, which focused on the first test. Josh, you didn't get the call up for Edgbaston. When did you know you weren't playing? Uh, not long before warm-up, to be honest. Um, I sort of went to bed that night before the game started and it was... 10 had been announced. It was out of myself and, and Sids for the last spot. Um... Obviously coming off a decent break, um, sort of through injury, and, and Sid had been bowling the house down for Essex and tour match bowled really well. So it was a very 50-50 call and obviously went with Sid. So, um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed, to be honest. Um, but obviously knew the reasons and, and understood them and, um, yeah, played the rest of the series, so I was happy. In an ideal world, when do you like to know you're playing? What's the latest you like to be told? Oh, I think you need to know before you go to sleep that night. Um, for you guys obviously meant to prepare um, I don't do a, a heap of that but um, I think you know conditions aren't going to change a great deal overnight really so I think if you can tell the guys that afternoon that the afternoon before the game starts then that's that's plenty of time Right so when did you know that you were playing the second test? <laughs> I knew about two days out I think Because um, you was, played the tour game right? And you played 15 overs, I think, got three wickets, yeah. and then they just stopped bowling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um, we didn't really have workloads, I guess, for that tour match, but I think we'd seen enough. I'd bowled pretty well, um, sort of three, as you said, three for 20 or 15 or something like that. Um, it was good to have that hit out beforehand, and then obviously got the nod for the second test. So, um, yeah, pretty excited. How was the mood of the camp at that stage going into the second test? One nil up. Describe the feeling. Um, oh, the feeling was was huge. It was um, excitement. I'd say confidence as well. Um, very confident feel around the group. Um, the bowling had gone well. The batting bit reliant on Smudge at the at that present time, but um, the rest of the batters definitely keen to put their hand up and and um, contribute. And um, yeah, it was, it was excitement as well. I think definitely. Right. Okay, so we're at Lords. What makes Planet Lord so special? Your second test at that time, why is it so great? Uh, lunch is pretty good. Lunch <laughs> is very good. I've got written here food, <laughs> but you've answered it straight away. Uh, oh, I think just the tradition, history of the ground. Um, you know, home of cricket, 
and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's always a little bit there for the quicks as well um, throughout the whole game, really. Uh, Australia's always done well there. Uh, it's just turning up to that that ground in, in the bus, uh, training there um, the days leading in. It's just a great feel around the team, around the grounds. And, um, yeah, it's it's always good to play there. We've been lucky to be there a few times. I haven't played any test matches. <laughs> you have. But what really gets you every time you go there is the slope, just how pronounced it is, hey? Yeah, it is. It's... Um, it's big. It's big. Um, it's probably not another ground in the world that's similar to that. Um, I grew up actually playing my primary school cricket at the ground with a very similar slope. So that was a, that was a concrete wicket in, in Moonby. So <laughs> that was a bit different, but <laughs> similar slope. Memories flooding back just had a bowl <laughs> like you did in primary school. Day one, washed out. No play. Now the doco, the test, did a great job of taking fans inside the dressing room. Do you know where I'm going with this? I think so. Uh, <laughs> two things really stuck out for me on that day one. First of all, Mitch Marsh, uh, what a character. How important is it to have a bloke like that in your team? And can you describe some of the antics <laughs> he gets up to in the dressing room? Oh, I think it's hugely important. Um, sort of the team clown a bit, um, <laughs> the big bison. Uh, oh, he's fantastic. I mean, that footage of in that doco is um, <laughs> second to none, really. It's um, just getting the boys entertained. I saw, you know, a lot of guys sleeping and, and just talking, talking rubbish around the dressing shed. But... Um, yeah, Mitch, he's always doing stuff like that, whether it's in the dressing shed during rain breaks or it's in the team room at night. Um, he'll do anything to just get the boys up and about um, and get them laughing. So he loves doing that stuff and he's good at it. You don't want to be a great 12th man or squad member, but yeah, yes. I, I imagine Mitch Marsh is. <laughs> Probably a little too good, yeah. The second thing I picked up was how much you guys play cards. Now, you do that on the bus all the time, but in the sheds on a rain delay, you're in there playing cards. What do you guys play? What game are you playing there? Uh, it probably changes from tour to tour, but recently, oh, probably the last sort of 12, 18 months I've been playing 31. Very, very simple game. We've got a few guys in the team who we probably can't play a lot of the card games because it's too confusing, mm. but 31's a very simple game and um, we've been playing that the most most part of the time the last sort of 12 months, so it's, it's been good. Been taking a few a bit of money off a few of the guys. Um, don't think Payne's paid me yet, but um, yeah, interest is building. Last question here was, who doesn't pay? We'll put that down as the, as the captain. I think he's uh, universally referred to as the tightest player. Yeah, I think that's it's hard to <laughs> hard to debate that. Yeah, who's the best? Um, and you can say yourself here. <laughs> I don't want to say myself. You can ask a few other guys, <laughs> yeah. but there's a very there's a lot of luck involved in 31. So uh, a little bit of skill, but I'm I'm certainly up there. Yeah. Well, who's the unluckiest then? The unluckiest, or slash um, the worst player? Oh, there's a few. Um, James Pattinson's on his phone a lot, so he doesn't really watch. You've got to watch the cards being thrown out and, and who's where and and what. So you've got to take a bit of notice and a few of the guys are on their phone or, or, or watching TV on the on the bus. So, um, yeah, probably those guys. I think Marnus, Marnus was it? Marnus so. is very average. He has a, a game plan that he tries to stick to, but just, yeah, he's, he's no good. <laughs> Too much he's thinking about batting, I think. Who uh, Was it one of those guys who lost the most over the tour? And fair uh, to say that you cashed in the most? Yeah, oh, Marnus would have lost a fair bit, I'd say. Yeah, he'd be up there. Well, he started getting some match payments, didn't he? <laughs> yes. I wonder about this test, mate. We'll get to it. I wonder if he gets half yeah. a test match payment. How does that work? Um, I think he does. I think he doesn't did. get the whole test. It was his first test, so we made him put it on the bar anyway. So <laughs> That's stiff. That's stiff. Okay, uh, you guys do get on. Day two, Payne wins the toss, likes the ball first. And with your third ball, you strike Jason Roy, gone. Found, catch taken. 
Can you describe that feeling having come back from injury, being overlooked and then striking pretty much straight away? Yeah, I remember oh, I was very – I was a little bit nervous. Um, Do you normally it, get nervous? No, nah, not really. Um, I wouldn't say a lot nervous. I was just a few jitters here and there and um, walking out to Lords and the Anthem and things like that and we're bowling first and there's always a bit more pressure on when you're bowling first, I guess, and uh, when you win the toss, that is. Um, you're sort of going to make a, make your mark pretty quickly and, and use the conditions as best you can. So to strike third ball um, probably relaxed me a fair bit and sort of got into my work after that. Bowled a lot in the first couple of sessions and um, did pretty well. Was was happy with where I was landing the ball and um, there was a little bit in the wicket, which helped. And um, yeah, we, we sort of got a few wickets there on a roll. Do you sing the anthem? Uh, yeah, whether I'm out loud or in my head, I, I sing it. Yeah. Well, that's one way or the other. Do you sing it out loud? But, uh, yeah, I do most of the time, yeah. We're usually delayed, so it always looks funny on, yeah. on TV, but yeah. Now you got Roy three times in three test matches in the series. What do you put that dominance down to? Um, I think it was a pretty good matchup. Uh, I think Paddy got him a few times as well. Yeah, three each. Uh, I think obviously his first series. I'm pretty sure it was. Probably wasn't sure of how to how attacking to be or or to play his natural game or not to play it, and sort of got stuck between the two maybe. And um, the ball was always doing a little bit off the seam, and his his game sort of based around I guess one day cricket and the ball coming on pretty well and not doing a great deal so he hits through the line a lot and any sort of movement brings him unstuck so um, he can certainly hurt you if he if he gets in and I think he could be a very dangerous five or six for England you know maybe in the future on on certain tours but in England I don't think that's sort of his spot to bat but um, yeah we're just a good decent matchup I think. In that test you bowled predominantly from the nursery end was that a conscious decision or just the way that the, the um, dominoes fell? Yeah I think that's just the way the way it planned out um I remember I opened the bowling with Paddy, I'm pretty sure, and um, we put a sort of similar bowlers, I guess. Um, and, and I think I'd probably prefer to bowl from the other end, but it's never sort of eventuated that way. And, I mean, McGrath was always really good from the yeah. from the members' end. Um, you think swing away, nip back down the hill. You know, you bring both sides of the bat into play. But um, I've always seemed to probably bowl more from the other end, the nursery end, and, and do quite well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just happens that way. I guess when Pat Cummins is the number one bowler in the world... <laughs> You have to do what he says, right? I guess so. It's getting that way, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so we're saying that, though. You got root LBW not much long after, uh, and that was a ball nipping up the hill. Mm. Is that just coincidence or is that a plan? Uh, it's certainly a plan to get him LB. Um, have done a few times over the years. But, yeah, nipping back up the hill, I guess, surprises everyone a bit. And um, it's quite a pronounced seam on that on the Duke ball. So it seemed around pretty much all series and... I guess up the hills is as much of a chance as down the hill. So, yeah, happy to get that one out of the way as well. And um, I always love bowling the jarts. It's a really good challenge. It was stone cold plum too, wasn't it? It was fairly out, yeah. Surely out, yeah, plum. Absolutely plum. He has been impressive. He's been the pick of the bowlers. And he's got the pick of the batsmen out as well, Joe Root. You took the first three wickets. Were you backing yourself to get all ten? Uh, certainly not, no. <laughs> um, especially with Paddy, Paddy bowling at the other end. Um, he's been in pretty good form the last sort of 12 months, 18 months, his whole career really. Um, so, no, no, certainly not getting all 10. No, but in all seriousness, was a goal of yours to get on that Lord's Honours board, such a prestigious honour? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, you feel like that anywhere you play, you want to do your job and, and take a big bag and get get the team in a good position, but especially at Lords to get on that honour board. Um, thoughts are rolling through the head, but 
didn't eventuate. Um, I probably ran out of miles in the legs, to be honest. I was a little bit um, starting to get cramps towards the end. Um, a few nerves, I guess, probably contributed to that. But I hadn't spent a big day out in the field um, on that tour yet. We played tour matches, but only bowled sort of 12, 15 overs. And um, I think I'd bowled maybe early 20s before tea on that day too. So I was um, pretty cooked and I was quite happy for the other guys to chip in and, <laughs> and finish them off. Do you like getting into those big spells though? I do, I do. It's... Um, I enjoy bowling, yeah, six to eight, ten over spells. But if you haven't played in a while and you're sort of not match fit, um, those can be really hard and really draining. Um, but no, I certainly enjoy it. When you get to over seven, eight, nine, do you look over at the physio <laughs> and he's just pulling his hair out? Um, you're spiking. Not, you're in the red zone. You, you sort of you get to that period and you're bowling. I sort of get better the more I bowl. And if you end up getting a wicket in your eighth, ninth over, the, the skipper just says one more and you, you go again. And if you get another wicket, you, you know, you go again and it just adds up. But... Um, no, it's, it's our job, so you know we're there to take the wickets. How was the crowd on that day? Because Australia were fairly dominant for most of it. Could you sense the hostility? There were two players in particular, or three actually, that garnered a lot of, I guess, abuse. But how about the rest of the team? Did you guys feel it? Oh, I think with the Lords crowd, it's it's totally different. To, uh, Lords and the Oval are a bit more quiet. I think especially Lords, um, they're a very polite crowd. They're very, um, they enjoy good cricket, no matter it's Australia or England. I think it's a lot different to where we'd just been in Edgebaston where it was just chaos. Yeah. Um, the guys copped a lot of lot of grief on the on the boundary and I think Lords it might be why Australia does really well there. It's sort of very traditional ground and the and the crowds you know, follow suit. So um no, they're very very uh, quiet at Lords. They're nice, respectful <laughs> That's it. gentlemen and ladies, aren't they? <laughs> but does it sit, how did that sit with you at Edgbaston when you saw your teammates getting booed like that? Um, oh, it was expected and we knew it was going to happen. Um, it's funny, they, right towards the end of the game, they, weren't, they went pretty quiet. Yeah. So I guess it's always a good barometer of, of where we're placing the game. And when they do go quiet, we know we're in a good position and um, things are going our way. One of the highlights of day two was the catch from Cameron Bancroft at bat pad oh he got it he got it what a catch he's uh he's gone to his left bobbled it and then got it on the rebound yeah. um what do you remember that and is he one of the best you've seen in that position <laughs> he's he's pretty good if you if you ever meet him and, and shake his hand not during these times but um his hand's bigger than mine i think and he's only sort of a smallish guy mm-hmm. but um big bucket buckets for hands and he loves getting in there at bat pad. He's a bit like um, Happy Gilmore on in that movie. But um, <laughs> well, he's taken the baseballs. Three hundred sixty-five days of hockey loves, trials. I remember we played him in a, a shield game in Canberra, and Curtis Patterson has swept one as good as you can, and sitting flush in the chest and and bounced out, and he was he was into himself for not catching it. And then two overs later, the same thing happens, and he catches it. So um, yeah, he loves it in there. Loves the. Loves it. I don't know why anybody would put their hand up <laughs> to fill in that position. That was a fantastic catch. You have got to consider that it hit his hand, came out, and then he went for it again. So uh, you've got England 6 of 138. On top, Chris Wokes, Johnny Best, they put on a partnership of 72, and they scrapped to 258 from 77 overs. Were you happy with that first innings total, considering that you guys won the toss and bowled? Um, I'd say it would be pretty even. Pretty even. Um, at six for at 140. Yeah. What are you thinking? Getting out for 180? Yeah, yeah you'd, you'd think under 200 for sure. Um, with England though, lately, they've got a long long batting line up and Wokes has, Wokes has done it to us a few times, coming in at eight, you know, scoring a few runs. And especially when they got, I don't think Moen played that game. 
No, no he dropped off the first he, test. When he's at eight and Wokes is nine, you know, it's sort of you just got to be on your game until they're all out, to be honest. And even Brody can hurt you at ten. So long batting lineup most of the time, and um, yeah, I think they got a few too many than what we would have liked, but um, still decent effort. Before day two ends, Stuart Broad gets David Warner. Oh, what a beauty! Three and three now. Broad is winning the battle against Warner. Ended up getting him a lot of times in the series. <laughs> that was early doors still. But could you see Warner starting to struggle? Could you see it sort of get on top of him a bit? Um, probably not by then, but soon after. I think you know, in the third test, fourth test especially, Brody just sat it on a string there around the wicket. He's, he's bowled around the wicket a lot in his career to left-handers and um, he was getting movement. He just wasn't getting the same way out twice in a row. It was LBs, bowls, caught behind, so it was threatening both sides of the bat and... And I would love to bowl to a lefty like that around the wicket and we've just certainly tried to practice that but Brody's, you know, exceptional at it and done it for a long time. And Warner was even getting out, trying to leave the ball. <laughs> That's he right, yeah. the cut shot But it's not something. going your way. It's, it's not going your way. Do you look at someone like Stuart Broad and think, that's how I can model my game to left-handers, come around the wicket, try and mm. angle in, nip away? Yeah, especially over the last sort of two years, I've looked at a lot of stats come through of, you know, and we're not hitting the stumps over the wicket. So, you know, do we come around and, and really threaten that off and middle stump and both sides of the bat? Um, so, yeah, it's certainly there's heaps of players to look at around the world, um, heaps of fast bowls to look at and, and copy things off or practice what they're doing and, and improve. So it's, um, that's certainly one of them. So a big day for you. Day two, lots of overs. Uh, talk us through what a fast bowl like yourself does at the end of the day when you've you've bowled all day. What's your what's your routine like from when you come off at well come off and finish bowling right through to you go to sleep that night? Yep. Uh, so we come off first things, sort of get some nutrition in, get some whether it's protein shakes or some food. Um, probably at Lords, some food definitely. Um, go straight to that. We're doing ice bars um, at the ground. Uh, obviously, we head back to the hotel then. Um, maybe a bit more food again uh, with, you know, we're in the team room with the physio, the masseuse. Um, we've got the game ready there, which is a nice compression machine. We've got recovery boots, which is just compression. Um, so we're sort of all rotating across those four things or five things. Um, so we're doing a lot of icing. Um, see the physio for probably best part of 40 minutes each. Um, some guys probably longer than others, depends how they've pulled up after the day. And same with the massage, another 45 minutes there, sort of working on areas of, you know, niggles and troubles you've had um, over the previous couple of weeks and trying to get on top of it. Um, and then obviously while this is happening, you're keeping your fluids up, you're getting that hydration back in from the day. England's not too bad, it's a bit cooler. Australia's tough, mm. um, obviously, and subcontinent's a different level again. So hydration's big, um, if we're our bowling next day especially. Um, so all these things, are we're probably doing them more thoroughly and, and, and they're more important if we are going out to get three or four more wickets next day. Um, but yeah, we'll get to bed maybe 10, 10.30 and um, I usually sleep pretty well. So um, wake up and, and attack the next day. And do you review your bowling as the game goes on or is that more of a thing post-game? Oh, I'd say a bit of both. Um, some I definitely if if I've had some troubles I think I'll definitely look at it during the game if everything's gone pretty sweet um, I won't really look at how I've gone um, pretty happy with how they're coming out just move on to the second innings and, and try and repeat it uh, but there's always sort of one or two things that crop up and probably certainly probably more about a player than a, than how you're actually going more oh, okay we can bowl here to this guy more often or he's got some troubles here and and we'll attack those weaknesses that we've seen um, but no it, it's usually pretty good. Day three, 
Rain interrupted it again. Uh, Joff Archer, though, takes a couple of wickets. Given this day, Joffre Archer has taken his first test wicket. This is his debut test match. You guys would have done a lot of study on him leading into this game. Did all that study and all that scouting live up to what you saw in real life? Oh, it, was a, it was a pretty special couple of hours, to be honest, um, especially one spell, I reckon, there against Smithy. Um, that's day four. That's day four. Yeah, okay, we'll, this is we'll just get the, to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're jumping the gun. Leading man. into the game, we just... Because a few guys had come up against him in the big bash and, I mean, that's a, that's a different, different beast altogether, but we knew he was very skillful, very quick. We talked a lot to Wade, uh, Matthew Wade about it. Um, Timmy Payne had kept to him a few times. So, yeah, we, we thought we knew enough about him, but... Um, being on debut at Lords for England, I think you know he was going to go up another level, and he, and he, we know that he's got that in him, um, and you can't really pick up the little subtleties in the in the action to to see it coming. So um, certainly very quick, and um, I guess we'll get to day four. Is it tough to watch a player like Joff Archer just sort of lumber in <laughs> really easy action and hit ninety miles an hour, uh, whereas you're busting your butt? It's very frustrating, <laughs> very annoying. Um, Mitch Stark does it in the nets day in day out, and Paddy and I are there just watching, you know, how easy is this? Another 145 k's an hour, you know, off <laughs> half a run. It's just, Miss Johnson was the same. Um, West Indian guys are the same. It's just, it's pretty, it's pretty annoying, yeah. I think you've either got it or, or you don't. <laughs> so day three, over. Day four, sun's out. Steve Smith looking great again. No such thing as a tricky innings at the moment for Steve Smith. Yet another four down the ground. He was up, not out overnight. Uh, that series, that the best you've seen him bat? Uh, yeah, I'd say yes. Um, I've probably seen him score more runs in maybe a series here against India, but on those wickets that were doing doing enough, doing plenty actually, and um, he was outstanding. He he led from led from the front with the bat, and he was um, yeah. I mean those those couple of knocks. I think. Coming back, this is going ahead a bit further, but coming back in for the, the Manchester test and getting a double, that was... I, I actually looked a little bit nervous before that test. I think not not so much nervous about, you know, how, how good a player he is. It was more about getting that knock in the head and coming back from that, how it was going to work out. And um, that's probably the best I've seen him bat. Phenomenal. Was it a different Steve Smith this time than what you've seen previously? Because he'd come back from everything that happened in mm. South Africa. He's not the captain. Could you sense any difference in him? Um, I could certainly see at training he didn't have to do any of the other stuff he usually does. He just does his, goes about his fielding and batting and um, it was all focused on the batting. Um, every bit of ounce of energy was going into it and um, just, he was just looked in the zone, um, to be honest. And he looked like he had very determined to do what he did and um, it felt like it was always going to happen that way. He's a big shadow batter. Are you a shadow bowler? <laughs> no, I'm only ever bowling in the nets or on the game, uh, out in the middle, so certainly not a shadow bowler. <laughs> not in the mirror either. <laughs> he does it everywhere, doesn't he? He does, Shower, yeah. mirror. Everywhere, yeah. Crazy. England call on Joff Archer to come on and bowl some heat and rough up Steve Smith. He hadn't really been tested with a short ball, and if he had, he'd pretty much dispatch it. On 70, Steve Smith gets hit in the arm after uh, what had been a barrage of bounces. <laughs> Oh, there you go. For once, a little bit of a blow and a pain, and he looks uncomfortable. Can you remember where you were? Yeah, I was sitting in the in the dressing shed there. Um, I would have been sitting with a couple other bowlers for sure, maybe Nathan Lyon and Sids. Um, I know <laughs> the, the doco says, uh, what happened? Nathan Lyon goes, what happened? The, the tap turned on my hands, he just started sweating up. <laughs> yeah. 
Actually, Nathan's one of the worst to sit next to waiting to bat if someone's bowling quick because he's one of the most nervous guys going around and as soon as someone bowls quick or a quick bounce, he'll look straight at me or Mitch Stark or Paddy and he's just like, oh, we've got to go out and face that. That's quick. <laughs> and um, I think that was probably the bigger issue was Smithy getting hit in the arm, I think, because it sort of restricted him to play a number of shots that normally he would take on easy, you know, the, the pull shot, or which is a very reaction sort of shot. Um, so it, it hurt him probably more than hitting the head, to be honest. What were you like as a fast bowling fan watching Jofra Archer turn up the heat <laughs> like that? Oh, I certainly, it's, in, it's enjoyable to watch, um, but not when it's on the other team. Mm. And, and you've obviously got to go out at some stage and potentially face this bowler. Um, it's the same when Rabada's bowling or, or Jasper Broomer, um, and they're probably thinking the same, facing Paddy and Starkey. So um, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Um, you think he's going to be more tired when you get out there, but Joffre seemed to just save a few quick bounces for the tail. Um, so it was certainly nerve-wracking watching, but if he can hit your best player, you know, how, how good are you, you going to go against it? That's the thing. Could you, could you feel the dressing room mood change when he started ramping it up? Uh, I think when he started ramping up, we're like, that's quick, and, and Smithy's playing it pretty well. So we're like, okay, that's, a, that's okay so far. And then hits him in the arm, I think that was like, wow, that was quick. Mm. And the wicket was starting to do a few little tricks sort of down the hill, sort of just not getting up quite as much, so it was hard to duck, hard to play the pull shot. I think it's probably a different story on a really flat wicket, um, but that wicket was just playing a few enough tricks to, to make it um, to make it a worry for the batter. So um, watching your best player you know, struggle out there, I think the rest of the batters were probably quite nervous. Did you feel for your mate Paddy Cummins <laughs> at the other end? <laughs> I felt for Paddy. I felt for probably more for Sid, who went out and faced the next ball after mm. Smithy came off, so... Um, that was, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that position. <laughs> so on 80, Smith cops that sickening blow. Oh, dear. What was your first reaction when you saw Smith go down? Oh, you, your thoughts always go back to, to Husey and um, I wasn't at the ground for that, luckily, but yeah, you, and that's probably people who were in that position and saw that happen, it probably hit home a bit harder and... Um, the way Smithy was sort of just lying on the ground there, everyone really was worried for for well, a number of seconds there until he sort of rolled over and you could see he was conscious. And, um, you know, it took a while for him to get up. And um, I think the worry on probably the English players as well, Joss, Joss Butler was at, at bat pad and obviously very close to the action. And the concern on his face was, was pretty telling. And, um, yeah, it was a tough couple of minutes, I guess, watching that. And um, you wonder how it can... Things can happen, so um, yeah, it was good to get over that, I guess. Was there a shift in the dressing room then? It certainly was, yeah. There was certainly worrying signs. Um, we didn't know if he was going to play on or, or come off and be able to bat again because we were relying on him quite heavily at that stage um, to get us out of some trouble. So, and even moving forward, you think next couple of tests, is he going to play? Is he not? You know, a lot of thoughts go through the head of me, just a player, and then obviously the coach and captain and and everyone else. So. Big worry, but um, yeah, played out how it did, and um, he obviously ended up going back out, which was a good sign at the time, I guess. Mm. Could you believe he went back out? Um, he, he seemed pretty good, to be honest. Um, it was more the arm, I think, was going to impact his ability to play a few of his shots. Um, I know Tim Payne said he was more worried about the arm because yeah. you get a broken arm, that's your series. That's your done. series, I think. So we knew, 
I probably knew at that stage the concussion was going to keep him out for potentially the second innings and, and, and one more game because it was a quick turnaround before the third game. Um, so that was tough, but I think, yeah, the arm was a big worry. We thought he was going to be out for the series potentially. Um, it was going to restrict him if he went out back to bat in that game. Um, but obviously he ended up going back out and, and taking it on really, playing some shots. I think Joe London was, was kicking in and um, things were happening. I think he says uh, he couldn't defend. He said blocking felt weird. So <laughs> goes and faces Chris Wokes and then launches him over yeah. a bit on and then he plays his sublime back foot cover drive. You go, how does he do that? Wow, what a response that is. That is an incredible shot. Having just come back in, the second ball is faced from Chris Wokes. He has just smeared this. Yeah, I remember him coming off and saying that. He was like, oh, I, couldn't, I just couldn't block the ball. That's how he just... Oh, well, if you just take it on then. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great quote from Mitch Marsh in the test. He says, I don't care what anyone else says. It was panic stations for five minutes. <laughs> it was. That, that sums it up spot on, yeah. Uh, he gets out, uh, leaving for 92. He almost walked. It's one of those LBs. And he turned around and reviewed it just because he's Steve mm. Smith. Uh, he comes in and slams a bat down. He looks really dejected, as you would be. Uh, how long does it take for someone to go up and say, well done, well batted, or, or do you just give him as much time as you need? Oh, I think that was a bit of a different situation that time around. Um, I mean, usually if he comes off and gets 100 and, you know, in any, in any other circumstance, he's, he's still upset, but you can always go up to him and say, well done, mate. Like, it's pretty much every test you do that um, at the moment. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was a bit of a different feel. I think he was very drained mentally as well as physically and, again, worried about the arm, worried about the hit in the head. Um, so we just let him be for, for a while and... Um, I think blokes started to come up to him after maybe 10 or so minutes and physio was probably one of the first or the doctor to, to check on him and, and see how he was and, um, yeah, go, for, go from there. I know Justin Langer is concerned about all his players and it doesn't take one person to win a series, but when Smith was going down, you could really sense going, we need this guy. Mm. Yeah. Close, surely, yes! Smith is reviewing, but I think he's done. At the end of day four, England... Four for 96, leading by 108. What chances did you guys give yourselves of winning that game? Uh, I think winning it, it was probably only two results for us. It was probably a draw. Well, at that stage, it was basically a draw. We thought, OK, this is going to sort of peter out. We've lost a lot of time to rain. Um, even if, even with only a lead of 100, you didn't think you could nip yeah, out quick wickets? I mean, yeah. Sidney Cummins like, had two each. It sort of yeah. seems a long time ago. I'm trying to put myself back in that position. Um, you said it was four for 98. Four for 96, or leading by 108. So they, okay. uh, or might That's have been last day. Yeah. yeah. So you're thinking okay, maybe yeah, if you game on, definitely, yeah. It's, um, expe- yeah, I mean, it's, it seems to be more nervous batting in those situations than bowling, and yep. you've got a lot to lose as a batting team. And they probably thought, you know, with a lead that they could push for a result. Um, we probably thought if we take two or three quick straight up that we can get a result. So, um, again, a lot of time lost to rain, so... The crowd, everyone's probably thinking, you know, this will peter out. But the wicket was doing enough. It probably had flattened out a little bit from day one and two, but it wasn't really a day five wicket, so it no. wasn't going to play too many tricks, I don't think. Big news overnight that Smith did get ruled out with a concussion. Australia lodged that concussion mm-hmm. replacement application. First time that's ever happened. Uh, it got approved. Marnus got told in the morning at day five, hey, mate, you might be playing this game and he was upbeat, jumping around. <laughs> Did you know what was going on? Did you guys, were you guys all clued in what was happening? Oh, not quite from the start. Um, I thought 
I didn't think Smithy was going to bat again. Just the way he was, as you said, he came off very dejected and he drained. Said, and he said he felt like he'd had overnight. He'd had six yeah, beers. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't sleep at the best of times, but yeah. probably looked worse in the morning that time. And I think Manus had probably played the game in his head already ten times, <laughs> but he'd been running home every night from the game and doing fitness and doing gym work and hitting and training. He's probably more worn out than <laughs> than, than myself, but. Um, yeah, we sort of we knew things were happening, and there's obviously a couple of spare batters there. Marcus Harris was there, um, so the decision wasn't clear cut. But I think you wanted a right hander at that stage, I think, because there's quite a lot of rough for Leach, so that sort of played into Manus's hands. And I think it's very tough for a player to come in in that situation, and and Marnus was probably one of the better suited to that, just because mm-hmm. he he was sitting on the sideline living the game anyway. Um, he probably felt like he was playing it, and um, came in pretty well. So you've got Marnus, a right-handed batter, or you've got Mitch Marsh who spent the test match DJing, playing guitar <laughs> on his bat, doing push-ups against the coach. I think one was more ready for the other. <laughs> Marsh was probably worn out from those push-ups. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess moving forward that teams or selectors will start picking squads with concussion replacements in mind, but you really couldn't have found a better one for Steve Smith than Marnus, right-hand batter, fidgety guy, Bowls legs spin, loves cricket. I mean, it's almost like just a perfect replacement. Wants to be Steve Smith. That's <laughs> yeah. one of them. Um, he pretty much was Steve Smith when he went out. Um, he was packing his bags after every test match. Yeah, well the, well, the thing was that Smithy had promised him three cricket bats if he packed his bag for the whole tour. So he had to pack his bag up about 10 or 12 times. Um, it was the deal of the summer, apparently. It was the deal of the summer, apparently. <laughs> so Cummins gets Josh Butler early on day five, caught it deep backwards square league. Do you know who took the catch? It wasn't Marnus. It was you, mate. Was it? You took the catch, yep. Fingers oh, yeah, up. Gotcha. Well, I was fine leg, not deep back square. You were close to the square. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, but then Ben Stokes goes yeah. to Tonk. He got in and went. I mean, to be fair, he got dropped by or Dave Warner at slip off Nathan Lyon on two and six and then was LBW. But it uh, wasn't a great series for reviews, mm. more important for that matter. But either way, he, wasn't not, he was not out. Um, how hard is he? And we, you find this out in the next test match but how hard is he to stop when he's on a roll like that he sort of just refreshed my memory there with I think looking back on that test set we had so many different so many chances that morning that if we took those chances then yeah. um, I'd totally forgotten about those Cut! oh this time I reckon that's been put down as well Warner's dropped two he's missed one to the right he's not getting many runs I remember Nathan Gazza was saying, oh, I've got Stokes here 10 times in two tests. What's going on? But the blokes just couldn't catch him. Or I said, mate, you can refer it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a lot of missed opportunities there in that morning session. If we if we jag those, you know, we're, we're half a chance. But um, back to Stokes here, I mean, he's he's a pretty complete player now. And I think he's just going through the gears when he's batting. He's, he's pretty exceptional. It's hard to do. You either get stuck in a rut or stuck, you know, going after it. And he can just chop and change and... Um, you know, depending on the situation. Um, so uh, he's a pretty complete player now and throwing his bowling and fielding, it's, it's pretty good. He got there. He is elated, Ben Stokes. Another century. And century on the conditions that were not easy. Just on the reviews, you guys have hired the DRS doctor, if that's what has been dubbed. You know, the guy that... Uh, goes through the process, explains why it was not given out yeah, okay. in the yep. first place. Yep. Back then, I don't think that was the case. Can you remember what the protocols were? Because it felt like sometimes it was just a sort of a, a Hail Mary looking Yeah, on. 
and that's not what it's there for. Probably it's there for the the, the one howler a day that the umpire might wake, or the, the howler a game, or whatever it is. It's not there for the fifty fifty calls. But when you're in the heat of the battle, you know you <laughs> you just want to get that wicket, and yeah. you think it's out at the time. I mean, people sitting at home in their in their lounge rooms see it on slow mo, and they see it Top all angles, the angles, yeah. all the angles, and you know we have to make a decision in fifteen seconds after it happens, and we see it at one hundred forty k's an hour. Um, it can be tough to make the right call and um, obviously a lot relies on the bowler and, and probably wicketkeeper and I guess that's where we ended up. I think it was after that game we sat down and said, all right, let's put a process in place. At least we have something to fall back on if you know if we don't know. And that was the bowler and the, the bowler and the wicketkeeper and someone from side on comes in and we have a quick discussion. Why wasn't it given out? Okay, it wasn't given out because he thought he hit it or the height or whatever. Height, that's why the square fielder comes in to say, I oh, know the height looked good from, from my angle. The keeper just has a say and obviously he's the captain as well, so that helps. And we make a quick call in and sort of at least we have a process now of, that we go through and mm. if we get them wrong, we get them wrong, but hopefully it, it goes in our favour. We're recording this during the second England-West Indies test match. Those reviews have gone up one to three. Yeah. Do you like it at three? Uh, I think it's good for, for me being a bowler. Um, <laughs> I think that's still not what it's there for. Yeah. Um, I think if you just had one each per innings, then people would use it totally differently. Yeah. Um, I think umpires can sort of fall into a trap of umpiring a little bit differently depending on who's got reviews left and how many they got or what's the case. So they've sort of got an umpire based on nothing there mm. as well. But if you just had one each, I think you would use it for – you would obviously save it. You wouldn't use it early and unless you were positive. Um and that's what it's there for, I guess, just that howler. Get the one and then get a review. Get a new one after 80. That's fair. If you, you say so. You just want one? You just want one <laughs> the whole time? I'd, have, I'd review them all day if I could. But, yeah, for the, for the better – to have a better impact on the game, I think one might work better. I don't know. Okay. Stokes finishes 115 not out. England set a straight 267 to win. Bit nervous? There wasn't much time left in the game, if, no. if I remember, but – Always when you're batting last, things can happen quickly. Uh, we didn't have Smithy. That was another worry. Um, so, yeah, the, the ball in England always does a bit. If you lose a few early, like 260 is obviously a long way off. We probably can't win the game. Potentially we could, but, you know, we're sort of going for the draw and in England are going for the win. So, it's yeah, it's a, it's a tough few hours. Is it always interesting when there are only those two results left that you know that it's either a draw or a loss? Yeah, it's. I guess it brings in a negative mindset straight away, um, which is hard to get out of that mindset. But, I mean, you try and win the game for as long as possible. Um, it's only the sometimes when you have to shut up shop or whether it's for the last hour, two hours, three hours. But batters are obviously, I think, in a better situation when they're just batting with freedom and batting yep. and playing their natural game. If, if someone like Matt Wade tries to defend, you know, he's going to get out more cheaply than if he's playing his normal game. So I think batters get a little bit confused about how to go about it. Um, does it just entail blocking it or does it, you know, you play your natural game? So it makes it a tough situation for the batters. Matt Wade would just stand there and take it. <laughs> he would. He would. Another happy Gilmore. He's, a, <laughs> he's as mad as Bancroft. <laughs> well, anyway, the chase didn't, didn't start off great. Two for 20, Labashane comes in straight away. Bang, Joffre's on and clocks him. It's a heavy, heavy blow. He's up on his feet again. What was the feeling in the dressing room? Do you thinking, oh, we've got another repeat on our hands here? Well, 
He's bowling a very quick spell again. Um, thought Marnus hadn't faced a ball this game yet, so it's going to be a wake-up call. But um, he's a bit like a boxer, Marnus. He's always bouncing around, so we thought he'll be ready. And uh, the way he got hit, very similar again to, to Smithy. Um, but he bounced up probably quick, too quick for us to even have a second thought. Um, yeah. He just literally hit the ground, bounced straight back up. And I think we talked to him afterwards and he said, I couldn't be the first concussion sub to be out as a concussion sub. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. It didn't really make sense because he was still buzzing. But First concussion sub, <laughs> out concussed. Yeah, that's it. So he was, um, he was adamant he was right and he obviously was and um, yeah, he was never coming off that field. What's it say about him though? He's, um, yeah, he's an interesting character, Manus. He's, he's certainly, in the nets, he's a, he's a very competitive guy. Um, sort of, you always go up a little level just to try and get him out because then you can give it to him for another couple of weeks and, um, he just loves that competitiveness um, in the nets, in the games, um, loves batting. So he's a, he's a cricket snuff, um, let's be honest, same as Smithy. Um, very much hanging around each other the last sort of 12 months. But oh, he's, a, he's a great guy to have around. He's just a bubble of energy and, and brings you up when you're a little bit down. Like Steve Smith, is he never out in the nets? It's getting that way. Oh, really? It's getting that way, yeah. It's a, it's a bit concerning. Um, so... He, He's, he's another guy who, if you bowl a bit straight, is obviously similar technique, just off his pads, four runs, and it doesn't miss him on his pads, so he says. But if you get him LB, you've got to let him know. Mm. Uh, I, I know you, you mentioned that uh, Mitch Marsh is the, the sort of squad clown in the, in the nicest possible yeah, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. The test also reveals that uh, Marnus was the whipping boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny how that... He definitely is. He definitely was and probably still is, but it's more of a... I guess a very respectful way now. We know he sort of earned his stripes, I guess you could say. And he scored a lot of runs last summer. He scored a lot of runs, but I think even from that gritty fifty in, at Lords, um, just the way he played, the way he, he played that fast bowling, and I guess yeah, earned his stripes on that tour. And um, yeah, it's certainly a more respectful um, little little jabs at him here and there now. And a lot of it's brought on by himself. Let's be honest. <laughs> I think Travis Head is still up there in the whipping boy stakes, right? Yeah, yeah. He's we we all we have to do is mention the South Australian cricket, and you know he gets upset. So Very, <laughs> the trophy cabinet's still empty. So. <laughs> Ironically, for such an attacking player, he gets defensive quite quickly, doesn't yeah. he? Uh, right, he gets straight back up. Manus goes on to make fifty nine and is out in freakish manner. Do you remember this? He sweeps the ball into the bat pad. Bat pad goes up. Joe Root takes the catch. Looked well. like, well, it looked like <laughs> yeah. uh, ball hit ground, but goes to the third umpire, soft signals out. Manus is given out. And cut! Oh, there is the catch. Just diving forward enough to get the hands underneath it. Test again, takes in the dressing room. Tim Payne was obviously of the opinion that it did bounce. What did you think? Uh, I thought it bounced, yeah. And I only saw it again the other day and, and I was just amazed how they gave that out. Um, it 100% bounced. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously there, sitting there and you're probably not a very, you know, you're in the moment and you just want it to be not out, so you see it differently. But then, again, I saw it, you know, a couple of weeks ago and just thought, you know, when you're sitting on your couch and you're not involved in the game at all, you just think that's just not out. Yeah. So it was uh, interesting. And I get root because he would have known. It was so close to his fingertips. Yeah, yeah. They're always hard, those ones. As the fielder, you're probably in the worst position to, to make a call. Sometimes you feel your fingers get jammed underneath and, and they look like they bounce as well, but your fingers underneath and, you know, it's a catch. So they're, they're tough ones. Yeah, he's out. Matt Wade and Tim Payne, then they're out in quick time. Mm. Payne out to that brilliant catch by Joe Denley. Remember that one? It's like a soccer keeper goal to save. Yep. 
out the sort of yep. square leg. Yep, gotcha, yeah, remember that. Oh, what an effort, and what a catch! Diving away to his left, it looked for a moment as though it might just get past him. Was there panic in the dressing room then? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's still a fair few overs to go, I reckon. We sort of thought when, I think it was when Hedy and Marnus were batting that, yep. okay, we're good here, we're good. Um, we've blocked it out. Um, the spinner was coming over the wicket, left arm over the wicket to a right-hander, so <laughs> there was a few few arguments in the sheds when Marnus started sweeping when he should have just been patting it away. Mm. But as I said, each to their own in that situation. Um, but batting pos- normally, right? He was yeah, batting normally. that's yeah. right, so... But in saying that, you should just be batting it, patting him off. But <laughs> again, I think Wade went out when I think Payne could have gone out and faced, being a being all the rough was out there. Yep. Um, hard work for lefty. So I think, right, you, I think you stage right and left. Leach got Wade caught a bat pad from that yep. spat up. Because yep. I think if, if Payne's batting with head, then then Payne can take one end, head he take the other. Things like that that we probably didn't talk about that we probably should have and could have implemented in the game. Um, looking back, we might have done next time. But mm. as I said, you panic stages a little bit um, bowlers getting their gear on and think oh, I'm going to have to block out a few overs here um, didn't eventually that wave well not for me anyway but um, I think Paddy and, and was it Sids I think yeah it could have been yeah I think they blocked out a few and um, we got away with it so yep. all well, all's well it ends well definitely Sids how do you go <laughs> in that situation have you, have you been in that type of spot um, before either for New South Wales or for Australia yeah actually um, playing for New South Wales against South Australia the year we actually won the Shield and we ended up with a draw at Adelaide. I ended up batting with, who was it, Star Steve O'Keefe for a long time. Yes. We and I, I sort of faced one end, the spinner, and he faced the quicks, <laughs> thankfully. And Sock got out just as sort of the last couple of overs were coming and then Doug was last, Doug was 11, Bollinger. So he came out, tried to hog the strike. It's not often that I'm hogging the strike, but mm. um, Doug was on strike for a couple of balls. French cut one for four. Um, a couple of near misses but we got the draw in the end and um, ended up going on to make the Shield final and win it so yeah 2014 2014 yeah and let's not forget that you got Adam Voges to his 100 that's true yes yes coming with a flurry at the start of my test career and it's sort of gone downhill since well now you just hit boundaries to win BBL (laughs) games right best win fresh they reckon yeah (laughs) okay so with four overs remaining the umps check the light decide that's it spinners only uh, you must have felt confident then. <laughs> I was certainly a bit more relaxed. Yeah. Um, didn't have to face any quicks. Um, spin only. They have obviously one main spinner and one part-timer. And, you know, you think... Leach was sort of creating a bit of havoc there, though, um, especially the left-handers, but we had two right-handers in. So I thought, hopefully, I, I don't have to bat. Um, so, yeah, we got away with it in the end. Three balls left, four wickets in hand. Teams come together, shake hands. Game's over. It's a draw. They've decided to shake hands. Try to shake hands with four wickets remaining. What a test match we've had. What a day of drama we've had. How do you how do you feel after a game like that? Do you feel like you got away with one? Do you feel like you've missed opportunities? What's the messaging um, after the game? Yeah, it, it always depends on what side of the draw you're on, I guess. But that game was sort of right at the end. We probably thought, okay, we're probably lucky to get a draw. But first thing in the morning, you know, if you look back to those couple of missed chances, we're probably thinking... We probably missed a few trick, missed a trick there, and 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 potentially missed a win. So there was sort of a couple of different ways to look at it, and England probably looking at the same. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a empty feeling, I guess. Um, not sure how to react, and um, moving forward, I guess we just think you know we're one up after two games, we're three to go, and we keep looking ahead and what we can take out of that game, we take out of it, and 
um, yeah, move forward. Could you sense the momentum shifting at all? Um, I don't think so. No, I don't think. We had some positives, but obviously Manus coming out of that. Eddie getting a few runs. Myself coming back in and bowling well. So there's enough positives out of that game, I think. Um, obviously, the big worry was Smithy moving forward. Um, yeah, but I th- uh, England was starting to score a few runs. Stokesy, the 100. Joss was scoring a few. Bearstow. So everyone, both teams probably had positives and negatives. as would have been a clean slate heading to the next game, I reckon. How was JL? He's an intense character. How was he after that game? Um, oh, he certainly rides the game a lot. Um, pretty emotional, but um, I think Paney always sums it up well after each game and we obviously the, the test doco takes us into behind the scenes a few times so people would have seen it but Paney always you know yeah sums it up well and it's all about moving forward I guess he's pretty good like that isn't he that's one of his real strengths as a leader that he after each game win lose or draw he, he does really send a send the right message yeah through. I think it's it's certainly a, a good um, attribute of his to sort of stay partial a little bit and keep the emotion out of it and sum up you know what happened and what we can do better next time and Okay, we, we didn't do these couple of things right, but next time we will and be confident in that. And um, it's all positive stuff with Paney and it's, um, it's very simple messaging, messaging and, um, you know, we, we take it on. Okay, that's the second test done. Let's look broadly as a series. Just a couple of questions to round off the whole ashes. What was your favourite on-field moment of the series? Um, good question. Obviously, uh, at the end of the Manchester game, sort of, sticks out for me um, as a personal and, and team achievement but I think probably watching Smithy getting his first 100 in the in the first game uh, I wasn't on the field I was I was 12th man but um, just to see that sort of build up over the last 12 months um, and really just come out first game back and, and peel off 140 in the way he did um, mostly with the tail and, and under serious pressure um, that was pretty special to watch How about your favourite moment off the field? Off the field. Uh, we had a few. It was a good tour. Uh, the UK always is. Uh, the Mitch Marsh stuff, that sort of classifies off field. Yep. That's in the dressing shed. That's, that's good fun. Um, I think just on the bus, you know, as a, as a group. We're always together on the bus playing cards or whatever it is and maybe enjoying a beer, going to the next place after a game and um, just that time together, I think, enjoying ourselves and, you know, getting away from cricket. Um, yeah, playing some cards on the bus. It's a unique tour isn't it because there's no flights right it is yeah it's it's a lot different to the other you know we're always waiting in an airport you know shuttled away in a in a in an airport lounge get on the plane you know bus to the next hotel and sort of a bit repetitive whereas you know we spend a bit more time together i guess on the bus it's a it's a great setup on there and um yeah it probably brings us a bit closer i was gonna say with that being said was there someone in the squad that you learnt more about that you hadn't before uh, be pretty close with most of them. Yeah, pretty close with most of them. I'd say probably Travis Head, to be honest. Um, he sat next to me pretty much the whole time. Yeah, because you um, kept fleecing him for money. <laughs> I made you sure he was on my... Heady, come over here, mate. Uh, I made sure he was on my... Uh, where is it? On your right. Ah, right. Um, so in that card, he gives you the cards. Um, sure. And it goes around that way. So I made sure always Heady was in there, tucked away on the right. Um, <laughs> come here, dis- best Dishing me up some good cards. So <laughs> No, I certainly spent some good time with, with Heady on that tour and... Um, Learn, I guess, learn a bit, a lot more about him, and um, yeah, it was, it was good fun. What about mementos? What did you bring back with you? Things like stumps, bales. They give you a towel at Lords, don't they? Is there anything that you brought um, back with you? Not really big on that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, we we got a a big framed 
team thing made up of the Manchester moment, sort of that last when that last DRS came up and we all celebrated. So that's at home and that's that's pretty special time. Uh, everyone signed that and there's sort of stats and pictures on that. But yeah, as far as stumps and bales and I guess I've got the the ball from Headingley um, that game. That's sort of all yeah. I want to remember about that game. But um, yeah, I'm not too big on mementos to be honest. Just on that Headingley game. I think you spoke after day two and you said, you know, not many teams win when they get bought out for 67. Not many do. <laughs> it was the first time in 100 years. Well, I didn't check the stats, but yeah, you wouldn't think, but it happens. When you look back on the whole series, was it mission accomplished or unfinished business? Oh, I think it was certainly a step in the right direction. Um, we went there to retain them, I guess. We went there to win them, obviously, but um, retaining is probably the second best thing. And a team hadn't done it in, I think it was 18 or 20 years. So it's a huge achievement. And I think that's what we sort of wanted to get across, even though we lost the last game and we're a little bit flat after that. Um, we still wanted to celebrate and celebrate what we'd achieved. And, you know, the teams on the previous tours hadn't done. And it's tough, tough winning away from home these days. And most teams do struggle. So, um, yeah, we certainly took a step in the right direction. And hopefully next time we, we can finish the job. After that Manchester test, was it hard to focus for the fifth game? Um, no, not not really, no. Um, it was a quick turnaround, I guess, I think. And we bowled second in we bowled second in Manchester and we ended up bowling first at mm. the Oval, which is a, a quick turnaround. Um, Oval's probably not one of the spots you want to bowl first. Probably the flattest wicket in England, but... Why did that happen? It's uh, a good question. Don't have a specific answer or a, don't, don't know the whole thing about it, but... Well, we'll ask Tim Payne. Yes, I'll be, and Justin keen, Langer, to, I'll be yeah. keen to hear that. But, um, yeah, obviously probably the wrong call looking back but that happens in those sort of situations um, I think I don't think we'll flat as another test match again I think you know we're up for it and I think we dropped maybe four catches in that first session so that probably set the tone for the game and it was hard to claw our way back Okay that's it we're done here for the second episode of our Ashes Revisited podcast series next one will be on the third test at Henningley Josh you don't remember that one regarded as one of the greatest test matches ever so you know you can hang your hat that you're involved in it uh, almost a year on what are you what are you sort of your, your big memories of that what do you think about if someone says what do you think about when you hear the Headingley test match or think about the Headingley test match what do you think about um, yeah, it's probably a tough one for me because I had such a good game individually um, and we, we did so well as a bowling unit for the majority of the game um, we just got beaten by one player on, on his day, um, you know, at the end of the game. So you look at a lot of different things that could have gone our way in that game, um, which obviously they'll go through next game with, with Paddy Cummins, are you? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of near misses even right up to the end um, with that DRS and miss run out, um, a number of things. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting and that probably set up the series, to be honest. It was one all with two to go and... You know, if we won that one, it was Ashes retained and then we, we moved on to winning them. So, um, But yeah, as one of the greatest test matches ever, it's, it's good to be a part of it. And um, as I said, it's not many teams win after getting bowled out for 60, but um, yeah, the occasional team does. <laughs> Thank you, Josh, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, mate. That's it for part two of our Ashes Revisited series. Next week, we are joined by Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon for part three which covers the first three days of the epic third test at Headingley. Now, while you wait, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app for all your cricket news, live scores, and video highlights. 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.